Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm Dr. Catherine Pang, and it's so great to share this time together. Welcome to The Living Way, the podcast ministry of the Christian Life Institute, and the Christian Life Institute's purpose to grow Christians forward to live victoriously as overcomers in, but not of the world, through the hope and healing of Christ. If you miss any of our messages, you can find a link and more information on our website at christianlifeinstitute.com. Our podcasts are available on Thursdays. Please subscribe to our mailing list on our website, christianlifeinstitute.com, to receive notifications about our podcasts, blogs, and other events at CLI. As we begin, you may want to grab a Bible and follow along as we share scripture throughout our time together. Our message pertains to our attitude in Christ in the tumult of this world, and our titled, Have This Attitude. Let's read Philippians 2, 1 through 11, and I quote, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Our key verse, or verses, are 5 and 6. Let me read them again. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Before we extract from verses 5 and 6, let's briefly parse the preceding verses. Paul begins his passage by reminding those in Philippi and you and I as well that we can be encouraged in Christ, that we can receive comfort from his love by participating, standing in, walking in, living in the Spirit, that we can find affection and sympathy among one another as those he has called as his children by being of the same mind, by walking in the same love, the love who is Christ, by being unified in accordance with one mind and doing nothing from selfishness or conceit, taking on a perspective of humility that gives a preference and a significance to others that we not only look at what's important to ourselves but also to those of others as we are other-minded as we are unity-minded in the love and comfort of christ and then we move into five and six where he says so if there is any encouragement in christ any comfort from love any participation in the spirit any affection and sympathy complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love being in full of accord of one mind do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves 
Let's look in depth at this attitude, which was and is in Christ Jesus. It's an attitude of surrender, submission, humility, obedience, and service. We talk a lot about attitude at the Christian Life Institute. What is an attitude? An attitude is a perspective. We like to use perspective rather than perception, and we can choose attitudes. It's a choice. The dictionary defines attitude as a mental position or feeling with regard to a fact or state. Since it's a mental position, we can choose cognitively where we direct our mind. And where, while we cannot always choose how we feel physiologically in our body, we can choose what we do with the feeling. It's so interesting how this world has convinced us that our feelings should rule us. Our feelings should be our truth. It's common to hear, go with your feelings, follow your feelings, or feel your feelings. We need to take the time to feel our feelings. We need to understand what is happening with us, both in our minds and in our bodies. We need to take that time. But what we choose to do is a choice, and that choice is often a function of an attitude. How radical would it be to choose what to do with your feelings? We can choose whether or not we allow our feelings to consume us, to take hold, whether or not we truly attach to them, whether or not we start to ruminate or obsess or shift, shift into what we call a truth anchor, shift into an attitude, a choice. To be controlled by our feelings is to be subject again to the yoke of bondage, to the old nature of self. Remember, self has been crucified on the cross with Christ, and as Paul says, it is not me who lives, but him who lives in me. We are in Christ, and he is in us. We have the Holy Spirit. We are new creations, new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, and all things are new. We may be prey with propensities and tendencies and susceptibilities, as we refer to them at the Christian Life Institute, but we do not have to be held captive. We do not have to allow feelings and externals, the things swirling around us to guide us. We can choose an attitude, a perspective on how to respond from the prefrontal cortex and not react from the limbic system. Consider this, the next time you are quote offended and at the Christian Life Institute, we advocate that if we are dead to self, we cannot be offended because it's our flesh that's offended, not our spirit. So the next time you're, quote, offended, ask yourself, what has really been offended? Is it your pride, your reputation, your self-esteem, your self-worth? All of these are self-words, and self-words with our flesh have been crucified with Christ. If we're seeking after our own self-interests or protecting ourselves, then we're not seeking after those interests of Christ Jesus. And Philippians 2.21 reminds us, and I quote, For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Remember in Galatians, Paul says very clearly in 5.16-18, The flesh and the spirit, in a paraphrase, can never, ever, ever be friends. Our flesh will never guide us closer to Christ. Think about Philippians 3, if you want to flip there for a moment. In Philippians 3, 1-6, we have what I call the great throwdown. Paul lists all his worldly accomplishments. He's being challenged. He's being discredited. Those around him are disputing his authority. And he gives a whole list of all of the things that he's done. 
they were to a large extent lofty by human standards. He had accomplished a lot. He was at the top of the top. But he writes in Philippians 3, 7 through 12, following the list of accomplishments in 3, 1 through 6, and I quote, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, some translations say dung, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Paul made a choice. He chose to have an attitude of recognition of his own need for the righteousness of Christ. He chose not to value, not to worship, not to make idols out of those accomplishments that the world applauded, but rather to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. What worldly accomplishments are you perhaps chasing, idolizing, entrapped in, holding on to with a tight grasp that potentially are blocking your view of your own need for the righteousness of Christ and his freeing work in your life? Jesus did not want to suffer. He did not want to go to the cross. None of us wants to suffer. What is causing you to fear suffering? Whatever that means, so much that it's blocking your way to the cross, to living the fullness and freedom of Christ. Even Jesus asked his father in Luke 22, 42, and I quote, If you are willing, remove this cup from me. But he didn't stop there. Jesus continued, and I quote, Yet not my will but your will be done. Take a moment. Take a deep dive. Ask yourself, are you able to truly ask the Lord to make your request known to God, but God with an attitude of surrender and acceptance that humbly and willingly says, yet not my will, but your will be done? Remember Philippians 4, 6, and I quote, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Bring it all before your Savior in prayer. Lay it all before the cross in prayer. Leave it all with the one who cares and knows, who has a plan, who has a way, who has you, yes, you, in his arms of love. Know that Jesus chose an attitude. He chose an attitude of submission to his Father's will. In his flesh, he did not delight in hanging on the cross in his humanity as he was not flesh as we use that word spiritually. But his love for you and me drew him to choose an attitude of surrender of himself so that you and I might have life. The author of Hebrews in 12, 1 through 3 writes, and I quote, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Does the verse read, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross? Yes. Jesus chose obedience to the Father. Jesus chose suffering for you. Jesus chose to endure hostility and persecution, false accusations, unlawful treatment and injury, and so much more to his reputation, to his humanness for you. Will you make the same choice for him? Obedience to the Father's way and will, no matter the cost? Our faith is so weak, but God, he knows our faith is a mustard seed, the smallest of all the seeds. Jesus exhorts us to pray for him to increase our faith. As we pray for the Lord to increase our faith, as with patience and with so many other weak areas in our lives, he works in ways that require us to use those weak areas. And using those weak areas requires trust and obedience, surrender and acceptance. Do not be deceived by the lies of this world that say you do not have a choice. You are not a victim of anything, including your circumstances. Yes, there are limited externals over which we have no choice. There are situations in which we truly are a victim. Yet, and but God, we often have a choice even when we do not see and more critically do not like the choice. Grab hold of this radical concept. We deserve nothing in and of ourselves. We are fleshly messes who are saved by grace, redeemed by his love for his purposes. It's not for you to defend yourself or protect yourself or even prove yourself. It is us, his beloved, to choose to live in accordance with the word of God 100% of the time, for better or for worse. Paul continues in Philippians by writing in Philippians 3, 13 through 16, and I quote, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it, that which Paul spoke about in 3, 7 through 12. Yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Paul models for us, as he modeled for the churches, a choice. He chose to forget what lay behind. We cannot, you cannot run a race looking back over your shoulder. You need both eyes focused straight ahead into the eyes of your guide, Jesus the Christ. Paul makes another choice of attitude. He chooses the attitude to press on for the goal. Paul uses two significant analogies in his letters. The first is of the Christian running the race for Jesus Christ, as we see in 1 Corinthians 9.24. And the second is of the soldier in active duty in the army of God, as we see in 2 Timothy 2.3-4. We are in a race by the very fact that we belong to Jesus. We are running a race for his glory, with our individual lanes filled with valleys and mountains that God, the master architect, has designed for our perfection, our transformation, have you ever gone to the gym and stepped on a treadmill, climbed on a Stairmaster, an elliptical, ridden a stationary bike? For the sake of good health practices, that's most likely. 
When you go to the gym, you're able to program a workout for yourself that may include inclines or flat terrain with slower or faster speeds. It's the same with our course in this life. If we choose to allow God to program our course, and that is key. Remember the title, Have This Attitude. Choose an attitude of surrender that allows God to program your course. And then make the choice. Choose the attitude to follow him in joyful. And joyful is an attitude, submission. And when we do so, we will endure in and through him and grow in him. Paul exhorts Timothy, his son in the Lord, in 2 Timothy 2, 2, 4, 5, and also verse 7, to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He says, No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. Paul writes, Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. In every second of every day, you and I have a choice. The choice to run the race or to sit down, to quit. The choice to obey our Lord or to do it our way. The choice to glorify God in our words and deeds or dishonor him in our fleshly sinful choices. The choice to yield, the choice to resist. The choice to listen, the choice to deafen and harden our hearts. The choice to grow or a choice to stagnate. What are your choices? If you've been resisting the work of God in your life, it's never too late to choose a new attitude. You can claim the great promise of 1 John 1 9, which reads, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can then choose to walk in the light as he himself is the light, as we read in 1 John 1 7, to press on toward the goal. It's never too late. Don't allow your flesh, the world, external, Satan, or anything or anybody to keep you entangled in the lie that God would not forgive you, or the lie of it being too late, or the lie that I cannot forgive me. It is imperative to forgive yourself. God's word assures you that as we read in James 4.8, we can draw near to God and he will draw near to you. God has made the first move, as we read in 1 John 4.19. He has loved us first. And from 2 Corinthians 1.4, He will comfort us in our affliction. And from Psalm 55.22, He will sustain you. The critical choice for this moment is to choose, to choose from the depth of surrender, from desperate dependence, to have this attitude, an attitude of humility, an attitude of obedience, an attitude of service, an attitude which was the attitude in Christ Jesus. Take a moment, pause, pray, and be willing to ask God to change your heart and your mind. Choose not to be governed by your feelings and emotions, by lies, by deceptions, by regret, by unforgiveness, by the flesh. Understand that there is a lag time. It will take a while for your body or physiology to catch up with your mind, with the spirit-led choice. Just make the spirit-led choice and then choose to allow him, the one who loves you beyond measure, to empty you of yourself as you pour yourself out before his throne of grace. Hold on to Hebrews 4.16 and I quote, Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace 
that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus, our great high priest, can sympathize with our weaknesses, as we read in Hebrews 4.15. He paved the way that we, you, could draw near to God anytime, anywhere. Jesus, our example, emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. You call him Lord. Will you be his servant? Will you allow him to empty you? Will you choose an attitude, the attitude of Christ? The purpose of the Christian Life Institute is palpable. We want all who profess Christ to taste and see that the Lord is good from Psalm 34, 8, to truly, deeply, intimately, and personally want Christ to be your all in all. We pray this is a time of refreshment and growth. We value your prayers. We value your support. We welcome your stories and questions. Please send any emails to admin at christianlifeinstitute.com. Thank you for joining us for The Living Way, presented by the Christian Life Institute. Our podcasts are available on Thursdays. Please subscribe to our mailing list on our website, christianlifeinstitute.com. I'm Dr. Katherine Pang. Thank you so much for joining us.